Well, hello and welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. My name is Dave Nelson and we are still chugging along, continuing in our study of the book of Acts. We find ourselves on this podcast at Acts chapter 15. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up to Acts 15. And as always, I want to encourage you to, if you can, if uh, you're, in a, you're in a place where you can open your Bibles, please read along with us. It's very important that you read the Word of God, that you study it, that you know what you're being taught, and that you don't just blindly follow along with somebody that's teaching you the Word of God. You, I always stress this, I will continue to stress this, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship has nothing to do with a church. Your relationship, uh, well, let me, let me, uh, explain myself on that. It has nothing to do with a a church building or a religious organization of any sort. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is between you and him directly. Now, God is placed in the body, people who teach the word of God like myself, but it's important that what you're taught, that you don't just blindly follow, because I can say things that are wrong. I'm sure I can. You know, I study, I I take time to prepare notes before I start this, but it's important that you know the voice of the Lord yourself and that you just don't go, you know, become someone that is tossed to and fro from, you know, every wind of doctrine that comes along. So I I am encouraging you and challenging you to test what you hear. Test what I say. Test what any man or woman teaches you from the Word of God because you have a personal walk with the Lord and you hear His voice and you know His voice, okay? You're going to hear me from time to time uh, give you that exhortation right there to to do just that, to, to know the Word yourself, okay? But the last time that we were together on the, the last podcast, we finished up with chapter 14. And we studied how Barnabas and Paul were now back in their home church in Antioch, telling of all the good things that the Lord had done on their last missionary journey. So we'll go ahead on this podcast and pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 15. Okay, It says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised, According to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Now, I'd like us to stop for a few minutes here because we need to have an understanding of what has taken place here in these first two verses. You see, teachers have come in from Jerusalem teaching that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And that's why I'm saying you got to test what you're being taught. Okay, I'm sure, though, that this had to cause a great deal of confusion for the believers in Jesus. And it was real upsetting to Paul and Barnabas as well that they were coming down from Jerusalem and, and, and telling them the people this. But 
just to get a better understanding of what is happening here, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're in Acts right now, so you're going to go ahead and turn toward the back of your Bibles, and we're going to go up uh, three books, four books, to the book of Galatians. Okay, Galatians is right after 2 Corinthians, and it's right before the book of Ephesians. Okay, so Galatians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to see here, as we look at this, I'm just going to um, set the stage for you here. We'll see that Paul and Barnabas and Titus will experience a similar confrontation with the leaders of the church in Jerusalem about the topic of salvation and circumcision. And this will help us understand what they're facing with these guys that have come into Antioch here in chapter 15 of Acts and have caused this confusion. Okay, so let's just go ahead and look at verse 1. Hopefully you're there. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. So Paul... Barnabas and Titus, they go up to Jerusalem and they preach the gospel of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, Verse 3 says, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Okay, So he's saying, Titus is here, he's not circumcised, and he wasn't compelled to be circumcised. And verse 4, And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us in to bondage. Man, that's the way of religion right there. They came in by stealth and they wanted to tear down something else that was going on. You know, they didn't like it. And they wanted to, to take away this liberty which they had in Christ Jesus. Okay? To whom it says, verse 5, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows par- personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. So here we see that the leaders of the church in Jerusalem respond to the preaching of the gospel by trying to compel Titus, who was a Greek, to get circumcised. But Paul will have none of it. He didn't care if they were church leaders or not. They were dead wrong. And we've got to understand that. If you're out there and you are a church leader, you're a pastor, you're a teacher of some sort, Remember, God shows no personal favoritism toward you. And if you're out there and you're lifting man or you're lifting a woman into a high position, you're placing them on a pedestal, God shows no personal favoritism to them. Sometimes all of us are wrong. And we must be humble enough to admit that we are wrong. And Paul, he he puts it plainly here. He says, I don't care who they think they are. Whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, he says. 
He says, for those who seem to be something, they added nothing to me. So in this case, the church leaders were dead wrong. Okay, Verse 7 goes on to say, But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, okay, he's saying, okay, James and Peter and John here, they seem to be pillars in the church. They seem to be these big guys, you know. But he says, when they perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So it's awesome that James and Peter and John came to this conclusion. They came into an agreement with Paul and Barnabas that the grace of God was working through them to reach the Gentiles. And they would just continue to preach to the Jews. And Paul and Barnabas, go ahead, praise God for their ministry, taking the grace of God out to the Gentiles as well. And if you remember when we studied um, in Acts chapter 10, we saw how the Lord brought Peter to this understanding to the understanding that the gospel was for the Gentiles um, as well. And remember, he was sent, Peter was sent to the home of Cornelius the centurion. And there was a group of Gentiles gathered there that were all baptized with the Holy Spirit as well. And we'll touch on that subject as we go on, you know, the subject of circumcision and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've talked a lot about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, obviously, as we've gone through the book of Acts here. But go ahead and, and let's flip back to Acts chapter 15, okay? But I just kind of wanted to set that stage here of kind of what's taken place. But Acts chapter 15, verse 3, and, and as we turn uh, to different books in the Bible on this podcast here, keep, keep your finger or, or mark somehow Acts chapter 15 so you can flip quickly back to it. But Acts chapter 15, verse 3 says, So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren." So, you see, what's taking place here, this is a really exciting time. Many Gentiles are being converted. They're not being converted to Judaism. They're being converted to Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. And this was causing great joy. And verse 4 goes on to say, And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, these verses right here that we just read, they give us some insight as to who these teachers were in verse 1. They were probably influenced by the Pharisees. Okay, or sent there even by the Pharisees. You see, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, many Pharisees became believers in Jesus. But what they wanted to do was mix that, you know, Christianity with Judaism. And unfortunately, this kind of thing goes on today. Mankind loves to mix Christianity with religion. 
But true Christianity is about freedom in Christ, or what we saw in Galatians described as liberty. Religion, however, brings bondage. And be careful you don't fall back into that bondage. Be careful, because there's a lot of movements even within the body of Christ today that are people are just putting themselves back under the bondage of religion. And they're creating a bunch of do's and don'ts. They're creating something that says, hey, in order for you to be saved, you have to have received the Lord in this way. Hey, in order for you to be part of us, you need to do church in this way. You know, all these type of things still exist today. And you know, many do not come to experience the freedom of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because they see it as a religious system of do's and don'ts. But in reality, salvation is all about what Jesus has done. And it's nothing about what we have done or what we will do. You see, if salvation comes by religious works, then Jesus Christ died in vain. You know, I've had a few conversations on my street here with some young men that come and they want to tell me about another gospel. They want to tell me about their book, and and they want to tell me that there's salvation that you have to work your way to heaven, and and that there's certain levels that you can achieve based on the works that you do, and they also recently a couple of those guys told me that the cross is not something they focus on that they focus just on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I understand why they do, because by saying that you got to work your way to heaven, that's a mockery of the cross of Christ. Because according to Jesus, when he died on that cross, he said, it is finished. He paid the price. It's paid in full. Our salvation, you know, is, is paid in full. And you know, the New Testament makes it very clear that there is no other way to get to heaven. And we also must understand that in, uh, I believe it's Galatians chapter 1, I'm not going to turn there right now, but it says that if anyone comes to you preaching any other gospel, then the gospel which you've heard from me, it's Paul speaking and he's saying, hey, if, if anyone's come and preaching any other gospel to you, let him be accursed because there is no other gospel. There's one way. That's through Jesus Christ. And you know, many in the world will hear, uh, I don't know if anybody in the world, you know, when I say in the world, I'm I'm referring to, to people that have not come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. They hear me say something like that. You know, they hear me make a statement that says, Jesus is the only way. And they say, you're narrow minded. You know, that's just your religion. That's just your belief. And no, that's the word of God. And that's, you know, that's really what it all comes back to. You know, as you take the Bible, Genesis through Revelations, you have to make a decision. Is this the word of God or is it just a book? Is it just a religious book or is it the word of God? Understand that when I teach the word of God, the Bible, let me, let me state it this way. When I teach the Bible, I believe it is 100% the Word 
of God. In other words, the God of all creation. As you look around and you see the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the grass, and all the wonder of creation, the God that created all of that, I believe, gave us this book, the Bible. And this is His Word. Now, if you believe it's just a religious book, then you have the right to say I'm narrow-minded because there's tons of religious books out there. But just know that as I teach, I don't teach this from a narrow mind because I believe this is the Word of God. Now you may say, well, there it is. You are narrow-minded because you believe that's the Word of God and no other book out there is the Word of God. Well, test everything that I say. Read the Word of God for yourself. Study it. Study it. But study it from a heart that is surrendered. Study it from a heart that is humble and willing to yield to the truth of the Word of God. And you say, well, how do I know it's truth? Well, how do I know it's truth? It's because it set me free. You see, I was saved reading the Bible. You know, certain couple men came into my life and shared some things with me about Jesus Christ. But yet I went to the Bible myself and began to read it. And I found that my soul was purified. And you can read that in 1 Peter. But my soul was purified by the Word of God. And all things became new to me when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So I'm getting a little sidetracked here in a way, but in a way I'm not because there's many of you out there that are listening to this podcast and you've never come to that place. Maybe something's stirring within your heart even right now and and that's why I'm speaking this to some of you. Something's stirring within you that says, I want to know the God of all creation. I want to know this Jesus Christ. Well, you can. You can have a personal relationship with him. And the good news is, getting back on track now, the good news is it's not about works of religion. It's about faith in Jesus Christ alone because he died on that cross. He paid the price. You can have salvation. You can have eternity in heaven with God the Father. So, Picking up now in verse 6 of Acts chapter 15. Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. What matter was that? The matter of circumcision being necessary for salvation. Verse 7. And when there had been much dispute. Okay, so it's getting intense here. They're going back and forth with each other. But Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now, what's Peter referring to here? When did that happen? Well, that happened in Acts chapter 10. And we, there is a podcast study on Acts chapter 10 if you want to go back, if you missed that one. But it happened at the home of Cornelius, a centurion. Okay, verse 8 says, So God who knows the heart 
acknowledge them. I like that verse right there. God knows the heart. You see, man looks upon the outward appearance, but God is looking at your heart. And it says, God acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So God purifies hearts. And how are our hearts purified? By faith. Works can never purify the heart. You see, works will make people look really nice and clean on the outside, but works will never purify your heart before God. Only faith in Jesus Christ will do that. Verse 10, Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? You know, that's an awesome statement by Peter right there. Because religion places a bunch of do's and don'ts on people when the leaders of the religion themselves cannot do what they say others should do or should not do. And we see great examples of that in our society today. And you know, it's unfortunate, but this is where the term hypocrite comes into play. And I say it's unfortunate because hypocrisy is evident even within the body of Christ. But you know the truth of the matter is? We're just men. We're just women. We're just mankind. We walk around in this flesh, still carrying this flesh around. So to walk around with attitudes as if we're holier than thou is not how it should be. Because if not for Jesus if not for his death on that cross, if not for the fact that God commended his love toward us in in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, if not for that, we would spend eternity separate from the God of all creation who is a holy God. Okay, let's go ahead and and turn back to Galatians chapter 2. Okay, and I, because I, I, I want to read how I want to show you. It, it, we're seeing here in Acts chapter fifteen, Peter stand up and and make some some really good statements here. But I want to just kind of go back to Galatians chapter two and and see where Peter and and even Barnabas it says fell into hypocrisy. Okay, so Galatians chapter two. Uh, let's pick it up in verse eleven. It says now when. Peter had come to Antioch. I, this is Paul, withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even 
we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That's, that's the bottom line of what Paul is withstanding Peter to his face about here. You know, quit playing the hypocrite. Quit acting like, it. you know, it's by works in some way. Because by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And go ahead and flip back to Acts chapter 15. And we know that the good news is, is that Peter learned his lesson. He's the one speaking here. Acts chapter 15, picking it up in verse 11. It's, this is Peter speaking. He said, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. There it is. There it is right there. It's by grace, not by circumcision, not by any other works. Salvation is by God's grace alone. And grace is unmerited favor. In other words, you're getting something good. I got something good. And we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And now Barnabas and Paul, they're going to tell of the works of of God. And you know, it's finally going to hit home with these men in Jerusalem. Look at verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, okay, that's Peter, right, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that after the rest of mankind, excuse me, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. So here we see that James steps up and he quotes from an Old Testament book. He quotes from Amos chapter 9 regarding the salvation of the Gentiles. And I'd like for you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to there, to the Old Testament book of Amos. Okay. Now, Amos you will find right before the book of Obadiah, right after the book of Joel. Okay. So right between Joel and Obadiah, about Oh, almost midway through your uh, Old Testament, okay? And we're going to look at Amos chapter 9. And we're going to begin reading in verse 8, okay? So hopefully you're there. It says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom." and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. You know, I'm just going to pause right there and say, praise be to God that the sinful kingdom was destroyed. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ, by his death on that cross. Yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations. 
as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. You know, the Lord is to this very day lovingly sifting Israel. But there are people among the Jews that will perish as a result of their pride and unbelief. Look at verse 10. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I'll repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Eden and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. So you see, back in Acts chapter 15, and you can go ahead and flip back there, James is quoting from these verses in Amos. And he's testifying to the fact that the tabernacle of David has been raised up again, Why? Because Jesus the Messiah has come and salvation has been offered to the Gentiles. You see, Jesus was of the lineage of David and he was often referred to as the son of David. And Amos prophesied of the salvation that would come to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And you know, from a biblical standpoint, we are now living in that time, the age of the Gentiles. Romans eleven twenty five says that, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So why does Israel not see Jesus Christ as their Savior? as the Messiah, because blindness has happened to them for how long? For how long? Well, it says until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Then after the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, in other words, the last Gentile receives the Lord, the Lord will then turn back and begin to focus again on Israel, because it goes on in Romans chapter 11, in verse 26, to say, And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And you know, Luke twenty-one twenty-four says that Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So what happens after the last Gentile comes to Christ, I believe we're out of here. I believe that the body of Christ is out of here. The day that last Gentile, when this this Gentile age comes to an end. But going ahead and looking at verse 18, and you could study more on that yourself, but looking at verse 18 of chapter 15 of the book of Acts, James continues speaking and he says, Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. So in other words, James is saying here, hey, God knows what he's doing. It's been his plan that salvation would come to the Gentiles. It was prophesied in in Amos. Okay, This is God's plan. They're just seeing God's plan unfold. So he's saying, let's not bother them. Let's not trouble them. 
with this. This is what's this is the work of the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to say, but in verse 20, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So James is just giving some really good advice here. Hey, let's let's tell the Gentiles to uh you know abstain from sexual immorality, okay, from idols. Okay. You know, as spirit filled believers, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are to always walk in the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we are to be dead to the lust of the flesh. So none of us should be walking in sexual immorality, you know? And we should watch what we put into our body, the foods that we eat. We should watch the idol. We shouldn't have idol worship at all, okay? So so he's not putting a yoke of bondage on them by telling them not to do these things. He's actually giving them good advice. And he's also telling them, hey, you know, Moses has been read throughout many generations in every city, in the synagogues, in the Sabbath. And, you know, we, you know, we should never let our freedom in Christ, the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ, the freedom that, be, that because of his grace, we have salvation, not because of our works, but the fact that we know that we don't have to do works to earn salvation, we should not throw that in the face of others. We should walk in love toward others. Walk in love, the Bible says, to those that are on the outside, those that haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ. We should, we should love them. We should not, you know, when, when someone pulls up in your driveway or knocks on your door and brings their religion to you, you shouldn't slam the door in their face. You shouldn't run and hide when they come. You should reach out to them in love and let them know of the grace of God. But you don't just you know, trample them down and, and, and hurl insults at them for what they believe. That's not love. That's not Jesus. They need to be set free. They need to know of the grace of God. Okay, verse 22, let's continue on. It says, Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas who was also named Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. You see, this was the decision of the church, not just the leaders. They took it before the whole church and the whole church. It says there in verse 22, then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church. Okay, so this wasn't like a hierarchy system that was put in place. The body of Christ is full of people that can contribute to the work of the Lord in the earth today. Okay, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each and every one of us to be able to be effective within the body of Christ. And these uh, apostles and elders were wise in that they, they got together with the whole church and then they decided to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, okay? And they wrote a letter, verse 23 says, the apostles, and this is the letter, we're going to go ahead and read it. This is the actual letter that they wrote. It says, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren 
to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greeting. So it's it. this letter is directed to the Gentiles there, the Gentile believers. And it goes on to say, Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. So they're, they're, they're taking ownership here. You know, they're saying, hey, these guys came out from us. You know, they're they're from Jerusalem. And, you know, I'm sure you guys are probably confused. I'm kind of just ad-libbing this, but we really don't need to. It's pointed out right here saying, hey, they're saying, hey, you must be circumcised and keep the law. And, and uh, the letter says, hey, we didn't give them that commandment. We didn't tell them to tell you that. But, you know, I'm sure it had to be confusing for these Gentile believers because these people came out of Jerusalem. And they presented themselves as church leaders in some way. Verse 25, the letter goes on to say, It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Remember how we studied? It, it was a dispute. There was, some, there was some tension with Paul and Barnabas and the church leaders there. They, they weren't very happy about what was being said. So there was a little bit of, uh, you know, disputing going on. But I love here that it says our beloved Barnabas and Paul. See, they still loved each other. They still were operating in love, no matter what dispute they had. Men who have risked their lives, verse 26 says, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, thank God for men like Paul and Barnabas who gave their lives that we might have the word of God today the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same things by word of mouth. This is wise too. You know, let's, you know what? They've caused a lot of confusion, these men that came down teaching what they were teaching, teaching that you had to be circumcised. Now the church elders decide and the whole church in Jerusalem got together and they decided, hey, we're gonna, we need to comfort these guys down there and let them know, hey, you don't need to be circumcised. Let's, let's read on, verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. And I'm sure there was great relief to know that they did not need to be circumcised. Verse 32, Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. Okay? So it's just an awesome thing that the body of Christ came together and they worked all this out in love. Then it goes on to say in verse 34, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. You see, I believe the Holy Spirit totally knew what he was doing in sending Judas and Silas 
down to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. He's got he's got a new work that's about to take place. Something different's about to happen, and Silas is going to be a part of it. Look at verse 35. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So they weren't the only two. Paul and Barnabas weren't the only two that were teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. There were many others that were doing it. And you know, that's how it should be today. There are people out there, there are some of you out there that are listening to this podcast that are gifted to teach. And you need to step up and begin teaching the Word of God. Step out by faith and do it. Start a Bible study in your home. Don't look to the church institution to say, okay, well, he's the pastor and he's the one that has to teach everybody in this territory or in this region. Start a Bible study right in your community. Start a Bible study in your houses and start a Bible study at your work. Teach the Word of God. Paul and Barnabas weren't the only two doing it. Verse 35 makes that clear there. There were many others that were doing it. Verse 36, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So Paul and Barnabas are teachers of the word, yes, and they they do care about the flock and they're going to go back and they want to check on others. That's the plan here. They want to go back and they, they want to check on the people that have received the Lord and check on the churches and see how things are going. You know, but what happens? Well, verse 37 says, now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. If you remember, we studied that a while back. Okay, so there, there, but there's something happening here between Barnabas and And Paul, verse 39 says, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So what I think we see happening here is the Holy Spirit is shaking things up again. But he's shaking things up so that a new work can be done. Barnabas and John Mark were heading off to Cyprus. Paul and Silas were heading to Syria and to Cilicia. And you know, in a way, this is a sad situation. But you know, the fact of the matter is, Paul and Barnabas were just men. And you know, sometimes there are conflicts between people, even though they are both focused on the Lord. The flesh still is a struggle for us all, but ultimately we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And that's what we have to keep in mind that God has a purpose for each and every one of us, and God has a purpose for our lives. So when certain things happen in your life, you know, look unto the Lord. Look unto Jesus and say, Lord, what are you doing? Maybe the Holy Spirit's doing a work to get you to move on someplace else, go someplace different, shake things up a little bit to cause something else to happen. 
God is good. God loves us. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And, you know, if we surrender to him, he'll work that purpose out. Both Paul and Barnabas were called according to God's purpose. They were both spreading the gospel. Barnabas was a a teacher. Paul was a teacher. They, they, They did great things together, and they'll do great things apart. You know, this dispute was all about John Mark. But, you know, if you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was at the end of his life. And, you know, he called for John Mark to come and comfort him. And, you know, I really believe that the ministry of Barnabas had a great effect on John Mark. You know, Paul, he was set on, no, forget John Mark. He's not coming with us. He can't be, he's not called. You know, maybe Paul was saying things like this. I don't know. You know, but one way or the other, he was rejecting John Mark. But, you know, look at Barnabas. Go back and just read about Barnabas. Man, he was a son of encouragement. He even went and got Paul out of Tarsus and said, hey, come on back to Antioch. He was always, he stuck up for Paul on a couple different occasions. That was Barnabas. That was his ministry. And he cared for John Mark. And he took John Mark and brought him back into the ministry as well. And John Mark went on to write the gospel of Mark. And John Mark went on to be used by God. And Paul realized that at the end of his life. And he called for John Mark to come and comfort him in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But you know, even today, you and I have been greatly blessed by the work that the Holy Spirit did through Paul and Barnabas. And here in chapter 15, verse 26, we, we saw that James said about them that they were men that risked their lives for the name of Jesus Christ. And where are you today in your walk in the Lord? Are you willing to to lay down your life? Now, let's not even, because we live in America here, you know. None of us are being shot down for preaching the gospel. Maybe it happens from time to time. But, you know, we have the freedom to preach the gospel in in this country. So when I say, are you laying down your life, meaning are you sacrificing, you know, your pride. You know, you, you know, a lot of times it's, it's easy to just say, you know, I'm not going to tell that person there that Jesus loves them because that will make me look like a Jesus freak. And I don't want to look like a Jesus freak. That'll make me look like a Bible thumper. But you know, there's a world out there that's dying. There's a world out there that just needs encouragement. Many people are out there and they know of Jesus Christ, but yet maybe they just need some encouragement. These these opportunities are available to us on a daily basis. I just had that opportunity yesterday to to begin to talk about Jesus with somebody that was discouraged, and, and he knew of Jesus already, but yet I was able to encourage him in the Lord. And but yet If we put pride in front of ourselves and say, you know, I'm not going to talk about Jesus. Or we put up a facade as if we're holier than thou or if we have no problems in our lives and there's nothing wrong with us. You know, I have found, well, the word of God says so. Jesus said, 
his strength is made perfect in our weakness, right? Or uh, I believe one of the epistles, you, you can look that scripture up, but his strength is made perfect in our weakness. But here's the question. Are you willing to become weak so that his strength may be made perfect in you? You see, many people today think that we have to be high and mighty or we have to be above everyone else or we have to be perfect or something like that. Well, that's not the way of the truth of the Word of God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. But for those of you, this has been a one of our longest podcasts, but I'd like to give the opportunity for you out there right now. You've never received Jesus Christ. You've never humbled yourself. You've never gotten down on your knees, and maybe you can't physically get down on your knees, but you've never taken your heart to a place where you've surrendered to Jesus Christ. Well, then now's that time. Just call out to Jesus Christ. Just do it from your own heart. I don't have to give you the words to say. If your heart is ready, then the Holy Spirit has made your heart ready. Just do it. Just surrender your life to Christ right now. I could very easily lead you in a prayer right now, and that's okay. But you know what? I, I don't feel that I should do that right now because I believe that the Holy Spirit has confirmed something within you right now. And it's time for you just to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Just call out to Him in your own words, in your own language, in your own way. Call out to Him now. And salvation is there in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast. God bless. If you have any questions, please write us, email us, let us know that you're listening, that this podcast is a blessing to you in one way, shape, or form. But thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next podcast as we'll Uh, continue on and we'll study through Acts chapter 16. God bless.